Good morning, Stony Brook. Welcome to worship with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are so glad that you have found us and have decided to join us in our praise of God today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey, and I bring you greetings today on behalf of our preacher, the Reverend Mary Jo Yagel. Uh, as we begin our time together, I'd just like to uh, remind you or announce to you, maybe for the first time, that we have our upcoming annual church conference, which will be on November 17th at 7 p.m. Uh, if you are a church member, you are invited to uh, attend and participate in this annual church conference. This year, it's going to be on Zoom because, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and want to keep everyone safe. If you are interested in joining us, please reach out to the church office to pre-register and they will provide you with necessary information about that meeting. Also, as we look forward to celebrating the end of our season of stewardship this coming Sunday, uh, you are invited this week to mail your commitment cards back to the church. This year, of course, it's a little bit different as we won't be gathering in person and placing those uh, in the baskets before us together. But we will still be celebrating in worship next week. And uh, you are invited to bring or mail those connection uh, commitment cards into the church office so that we can be in big celebration next Sunday. Next Sunday is just a big worship Sunday all around. It is All Saints Day where we will be remembering uh, the saints that have gone before us this past year uh, and we will also be celebrating Holy Communion as well. At this time I would like to invite Laura Lee Lutz to come forward and uh, share a witness about stewardship with us. Most of you should know me, or at least recognize me, as I have been in the church choir since 1995, and this year I am serving on the stewardship committee. It's been some time since I've done so. Uh, I have actually come before you many, many years ago to talk about um, the treasure of this church to me, and it still continues to be a treasure. Um, the most important thing, I think, is the people, obviously. The church is not this building where we worship. The church is all of us. Maybe during this time, somebody has called you, you have been watching the sermons from home, um, hopefully you have been able to worship that way. Um, all of those things do require money. Um, you cannot see all of the cameras and such that are going on in, uh, in place today in order to record this service and the people behind the scenes who are handling everything. But all of those things are supported through the monies that you send in to the church. As Pastor Jennifer said, you should have received your letter and your commitment card. We do need you to send in the card this week, if at all possible, so that we can have them all together next Sunday in order to bless them. I would also want you to think about how has Stony Brook been important in your life over the years for your spouse and your family and your children, 
all of those wonderful ministries that go on here have been hopefully a blessing to you and we want those to continue in 2021 and your commitment card allows the church to be able to budget for all of those things and know how they are going to appropriate the funds so please send in your card as soon as you can in fact while you're thinking about it maybe go do it right now get it in the mail tomorrow on monday so we have it by next weekend thanks so much you join me in a spirit of prayer as we continue to settle our hearts around God. Bless your servants, O God, and favor us with your steadfast love. 
May your love flow through us like springs of living water, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days of our lives. Amen. join me in a spirit of prayer. The sun rises each morning and we do nothing to produce it. How are you so magnificent? The brilliance of the day casts fresh light, illuminating you for us. How can we miss it? Our hearts sing for joy, for glory at the revelation of your goodness and beauty. Help us to keep this joy in our hearts, 
<clears throat> even as we worry about upcoming medical procedures, upcoming tests, upcoming worries that just rest in our hearts. Implant your peace deep into our spirits as we wrestle with the challenges of life. Continue to make yourself known for the people who continue to experience the devastation from the wildfires out west, O oh God. Pull out, pour out a cool drink of water on a hot and thirsty region. As we move closer to a contentious presidential election, O oh God, keep our spirits cool and calm. Remind us in bold ways about your commandment to love you with our whole hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves. <clears throat> Help us to see those with differing, differing views in love and not in judgment. Remind us that kindness goes a long way. Keep our hearts singing in joy even when the world seems a mess. As we sing songs of joy for you, move us to action today, O oh God. May our faith be lived deeply and sacrificially. Wake our eyes up to the hurting all around us and the hurting within us. Soften our hearts to the plight of the unseen and the unheard. And may each of us truly love our neighbors as you love us. We pray all of this in the name of the one who teaches us sacrificial love, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and now join our voices together, praying the prayer he taught us by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
with the voice that we cannot hear, we say to you, Amen. Friends, I invite you to continue your journey as a people of faith in the Gospel of Matthew. We will be in the 22nd chapter, beginning with the 34th verse this Sunday. May we have ears to hear. May our souls have the vibrancy to recognize the goodness. And may our hearts be broken open to welcome the encouragement that Jesus seeks for you this day. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Now, when the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? And now, Almighty God, either through or in spite of this, thy servant speak to these, your beloved ones, who seek you with all their mind, with all their heart, and with all their soul in the name of the one who pointed the way. Amen. Let's start with the second portion of our scripture this morning where Jesus says to those who have been tracking him, trying to test him, trying to find a way to trip him up, Let's talk about his investigation of their faith, where he says, who is the Messiah? Whose son is he? This son of David is the response. And he starts saying, well, how can that be? And he starts quoting scripture, and he makes them incredibly uneasy. This is a Jesus that will not be contained by human techniques of confinement. I 
was doing some reading on this, and it talked about how the phrase son of David is one of the descriptive phrases that's used for the Messiah, but it went to talk about how this man that we name as Jesus just will not fit into a formula. There are so many names that we can begin to attribute that every time we get our heads around one of them, the next one flies into our radar and we have to shake loose our boundaries and readdress our clarifications and say, what does it mean to be the Word, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Son of Man? And, you know, we tag that a little bit with fully Son of God and fully son of man, king of Israel, prophet like Moses. Now, here was one that I wasn't familiar with. High priest after the order of Melchizedek. They didn't teach me that in seminary, and I didn't stumble onto it in the 40-some years since. I was hoping you'd know it, but I'm not going to ask. I'm more familiar with things that come out of song, like Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. Every time we add a phrase, we add a name, the words make our brains rattle out of their comfortable space in its little bitty shell, and we have to start all over again. There's a reason why this seems to happen, I would offer to you. I would offer that this uncontainable Jesus is actually something for us to sit with. Just when you think you understand your beloved spouse, everything they do, every nuance of their, they change on you, don't they? The choir just giggled. I would take that as confirmation. Just when you think you've got a pastor all figured out and understand her perspective, you know the joke, pastors only really have one sermon, they just change the words every Sunday. Just when you think you've got it all figured out, they change on you and all of a sudden they've been engaged with Jesus. <laughs> and they change. We too seem to be people who will not be contained. Let's realize that this is not new for us. Right now we are about in the most uncontainable moment many of us ever remembered. Just as we started here today, Pastor Jennifer and I were kind of lamenting about the fact just when we think we get things figured out, it changes on us and we have to flip our switches and figure out which end is up yet again. I have introduced you through sermons to somebody who is precious in my life. He had the privilege of being called into the ministry at a very young age. He found himself able to serve the body of Christ in many dimensions. One of them was to be an active 24-year bishop. And I confess to you that without any shame, I have plumb that man's brain to the best of my ability to learn from his wisdom 
as yet again I was moving into a new church, we started talking about from his perspective of hundreds and hundreds of pastors, what is it about changing churches that kind of messes with our mind? And he said, it's called the 18-month syndrome. What? The 18-month syndrome. Between the 18th month and the 20th month of going into a new place, everything you thought you had figured out will break loose. And here's my advice, he went on to say. I got out a piece of paper and pencil and wrote this down. Batten down the hatches and weather the storm. Note to self, I'm in month three at Stony Brook. We aren't even at the 18th month. And I still feel like I'm battening down the hatches and weathering the storm as we fly in and out of our realities. This 18-month syndrome was the beginning of me learning about the learning curve. Now, if you've ever experienced a learning curve, you understand that you come into a place and you start working as hard as you can and you push that monster ball up the mountain until you get to about the 18 month. Seriously. And then, if you keep pushing, it goes over the other side and it becomes a little bit easier. You know what I discovered? The diagram goes in the wrong direction. It's really a downhill slide when you come in. The reason why it's a downhill slide is because you had thought all kinds of things about the new place you were going to. You got told all kinds of expectations about the place you were going to. And if you're on the other side of this conversation, you've been told what you can expect from the new person who's coming into your life. And guess what? Reality is often different than promises. And so you end up letting go of expectations. You let go of things and tools that have always worked for you. Great stuff. You can pull out your old sermons, but you have to rework them so hard that you might as well just start from the beginning. Everything you've ever expected and you just keep sliding down. And it doesn't seem to matter how hard you try, you just slide. And in the 18th month, you attend a funeral in your soul where you must calm and quiet yourself and just get through. Because if you don't, you won't feel the wheels begin to grab. All of a sudden, it makes sense that there's this lull between services at this church. Oh, y'all do coffee hour, didn't know that. I like coffee hour. <laughs> I like coffee. <laughs> Grab. And then you get to a meeting and you actually understand who it is that we're talking about and the logistics of how it's going and the wheels grab again and you begin to feel that monster engine that has been sliding downhill begin to creep up the other side. It takes three years to make a transition. 
to evaluate every moment between entrance and that third year is to cause harm. Let me tell you how I know this is true in our human lives. I've really studied and watched people grieve. It's important to me that I be able to walk with them in their grief. The first year is nothing but sheer pain. The first birthday, the first anniversary, the first spring, the first fall, the first Christmas, the first, the first, and I'm still alive and I can't do anything about it but simply survive through it and just let go. And then the second year starts. Oh, and this is the hard year because it has the 18th month in it. The second year is about grief. I am still alive. I still have to go through all of these moments. I have to still make dinner without my beloved. I still have to figure out how to be friends when I don't feel like being friendly to anybody. It's still a change, and I can't change it back. And you go through the 18th month, and you're still alive. And then the third year begins, and it's the third time you celebrate the birthday, and it's the third Christmas, and not only are you still alive, but maybe, but maybe there's a brightness in that third year cycle. I've, I've not just survived, but I'm beginning to feel alive. And there's a sense of resurrection that begins to grow out of the hard work of grief. Jesus is talking to some people about what it is to do the hard work of faith. He's very clear that the ones he has chosen with his disciples have experienced all the radical changes, but they still don't understand that what's going to happen in the future is going to catch them completely off guard, and they're going to have to figure out on what they're going to hold on to and what is going to get them through. So when he's tested by the authorities... He names what gets us through, what gets us to, what allows this falling down without a sense of direction to be claimed for even God in that moment. And he says this is the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are the threads that we can grab onto. And if you believe in the power of healing, these are the threads you can wind together, braid together, hook together, and hold on in the midst of the falling in the midst 
of the 18th month, everything breaking loose in the midst of just being unsure. Hold on with all your heart. Hold on with all your soul. Hold on with all your mind. Your heart is the power, the vibrancy of your voice is the evidence of your soul. Your willingness to braid it together is the interest of your mind. And Jesus stood in the presence of those who wanted to contain him, those who wanted to trip him up, and said to them, you may test me, but I shall always choose the one who gives life and gives life abundantly. This is the way Jesus guides us through the learning curve. This is the way Jesus guides us in the midst of not being able to plan for anything. These are changeable times. It's not going to change, and it's our perspective that we can shift, and we can learn to pray with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. O oh Lord, bring your healing however you would choose. We have been guided by Jesus and we make no excuse for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. I have met some people in recent days who belong to the UMW, and let me tell you, when you can't do your baked goods sale, things get messed up. And yet, we want to embrace the moment as fully as we are able. Would you welcome this as an opportunity to support the United Methodist women with their unbaked baked goods sale and offer them gifts as a response to this video? Thank you. 
United Methodist Women shall be a community of women whose purpose is to know God, to develop a creative and supportive fellowship, and to expand concepts of mission. In 1869, there were eight women who gathered in Boston, and they made the decision to send Dr. Clara Swain and an educator, Isabel Thoburn, to India to assist the women and children who were unable to get medical help or an education because they were female. Today we help adults and youth of any gender to become active in our many mission activities. Locally, we give to community organizations such as food banks, the Freedom School, Choices, Grin, and Church for All People. Nationally, we give across many states such as Henderson Settlement, and Redbird Mission in Kentucky and McCurdy Mission in New Mexico. Internationally, we give on almost every continent through National United Methodist Women and UMCOR. In January, our members pledge an amount to missions locally, nationally, and around the world. We take two special offerings during Lent and Thanksgiving. In 2018, Stony Brook United Methodist Women gave over $11,000 to missions. One of the best things about United Methodist Women is the reading program. We read books on mission education, social action, and spiritual growth. These help us to strengthen our faith as well as understand other cultures and faith. Reading is a way to keep aware of the focus of United Methodist Women. The founders of UMW knew that women working together in small groups could do more than women working alone. We call these small groups circles, and they are our way of supporting and nurturing each other. For many, the circle is the primary connection to prayer, study, and spiritual growth, as well as offering opportunities for advocacy work and hands-on mission work. Our members do a lot more than bake cookies. We meet monthly to plan events, and in most cases, you don't even need to be a member to attend a UMW event. Whether you are interested in service, spiritual growth, or fellowship, the UMW has something for everyone. We do appreciate all the support that you have given us over the years, and we hope that you will come to one of our meetings and get acquainted with the wonderful women of the UMW. You will be so welcome. As we take this moment to remember that worship isn't a beginning and then an end. Worship is the transition from where we were this week to where we need to go in the week that is coming. So as we remind each other that we have been in the presence of the living God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, we shall serve the one who will not be contained by words. And so let us speak words of encouragement to each other in the traditional benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ be with you wherever you may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing 
once again into our doors. Go in peace. Thank you.